And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining us on the line right now is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, Heather. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you as, as well. Uh, and like Elsinore, they have a program that has been giving food handouts to the homeless. And like Elsinore, somehow morphed into the Inland Empire branch of Santa Monica. People are coming to there to try to to keep get food, but then there's so many homeless people. Complaints are 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 mounting, and they're trying to keep the service going under political pressure. And people are coming together to actually make this happen. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they've been doing this. They've been doing it for a while, and hundreds of people have been coming to this park in Elsinore and getting blankets and other goods and food and warm meals and the whole bed. And it sounds like it's um, really uh, what I like to think of as how Christian people should be. Yeah, that's kind of what the Bible teaches, actually. So that's <laughs> nice that they're actually doing that. That's really great. Yeah, not just not trying to stop gay marriage or anything else that Jesus never talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's that's great. And then so a lot of people are coming, but then it's created this sort of dilemma that people that live in the area that want to use the park and take their kids there to play on the swings or whatever are feeling a little bit uneasy because of all the homeless people there. And I, you know, there's two ways of looking at that. On the one hand, it's just like, wow, you can't deal with some homeless people. It's like, whoa, not in my backyard. I don't want these people around. But on the other hand, there are a lot of homeless people who have mental problems and oh, like sure. not wanting your kids playing around with people like that around. So I can see both sides of that. But anyway, so the, I guess the city is kind of seeing that too, that this is an issue. They'd like the park to just be for people to play on and not a um, place for down and out people to be trying to not be down and out. Yeah. And so there's a group that's formed called cops and clergy. And so as you can imagine, it's police officers and ministers and whatnot coming together and trying to come up with a way to deal with this, to make everybody happy. Yeah. Everybody agrees that there's a homeless problem and something needs to be done about it. Well, unless you're a Paul Ryan, unless you're Paul Ryan, then cut the bird stamps. So, but uh, anyway, they they have come to this sort of agreement and formed this group. And what they're trying to do is set up different places where some of the churches are actually offering their property, their churches or their church campuses to, they'll set up two or three days a week where people can come by, get blankets, get food, get other items that they need for basic survival. And I wish them all the best with this. I hope it, it works out for everybody. It'd be kind of cool if the churches kind of could come together. I've been to like Elsinore quite a few times, and it seems like there's a lot of open land. It'd be kind of cool if they can come together and kind of get a reduced cost on the piece of land and kind of build like a homeless camp where they can get some temporary shelter, get fed, and try to kind of work themselves out of this issue. Well, you know, I'm always happy to see. I know there are a lot of... uh there are a lot of homeless people in this whole area and there are a lot of groups that are actually helping and and they are usually church related groups. And what I like to see is when you have a Catholic church, you have a Protestant church, you have Jewish synagogues, you have uh, uh, Muslim uh, centers and all these groups coming together and saying, look, it's, let's set all of our differences aside. We all agree that our religion's, if we're really clear about it, are, are based on on helping other people, and let's let's do that. 
yeah, that that's a really interfaith work is is probably the best service that religions actually have, and this is me as an atheist saying that. <laughs> so, so, anyways, um, and Marietta, thirty-one-year-old man, has a weird fetish with girls' socks. He's currently being charged with a ton of other crimes as well. Uh, I I don't know if I want to ask on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of have. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, Murrieta Man was arrested and charged with several different counts, then was out on bail, and then was just rearrested days later because apparently there were several more complaints against him and several new charges then filed. But it appears that he's hanging around schools uh, looking to interact with underage girls and trying to get them to do certain things that involve socks. He seems to be, they're saying he seems to be obsessed with, with socks being worn by minor females. So we don't need to get into all of that. I don't no. think us want to, no. but anyway, this is the thing. And he was charged with, uh, Intent to commit a sexual offense, possession of material depicting a minor, simulating sexual conduct, and annoying a minor, which are pretty, uh, some of those are are pretty serious charges. And when he was originally arrested, he was uh, out on bail, which was set at $5,000. And then days later, he was rearrested because there were new complaints against him and uh, I guess new fears that this guy was about to commit some really heinous acts. So once he was rearrested, now his bail is set at $1 million. So that that's a huge jump from 5000 to $1 million. Oh, definitely, yeah. And uh, so they are, the authorities seem to be really concerned about this guy and uh, that he was going to do something that everybody was going to regret. So hopefully he won't do anything here. He, he won't get out if, in fact, he's guilty of these crimes yeah i hope he that yeah i hope he never gets out that's pretty bad um another really awful story is uh in him a minor a 15 year old which is not that old uh he tied up and dosed an old lady with bleach during a robbery he was committing um we've talked about this before this kind of like really hard crime i you know the place i live at they subscribe to the la times and i read some through that once in a while and it seems like the crime in Lake Elsinore has like a harder edge, almost like if they watch Quentin Tarantino too much or something. It's really odd. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The whole kind of inland area here, you seem to have these these edgy crimes that seem to a lot of times involve bad drugs or just uh, yeah. Maybe people do watch a little bit too much of the Tarantino movies and take them a little too serious. But there seems to be a, a, a real brutality about a lot of these. Oh crimes. yeah. But this kid, you know, he's 15 years old. I mean, first of all, how many 15-year-olds are, are committing burglary? And second of all, then taking it to this really brutal level where an 87-year-old woman, that's a really old lady, he tied her up and then doused her with bleach. And I don't know if you've ever had bleach spilled on your skin. It's not It's not pleasant. I mean, it doesn't burn as bad as uh-huh. some other things. When it sits on your skin a while, it does it does burn, and it's it's just not not good for you. And and so she's in um, in the hospital in critical condition. And this guy is being charged with first degree burglary, torture, elder abuse, and mayhem, in addition to attempted murder. 
So he's uh, in custody. I don't think there's any bail involved here, but he's 15 years old, and so there's no, uh, they're not releasing his name or anything like that, but it just sounds like this is a really disturbed person, whether on drugs or not. Yeah. That, it definitely sounds disturbed. Uh, so on a lighter, much lighter note, you took a journey to an abandoned railroad. It's uh, not quite Inland Empire, but it's Inland Empire adjacent, and it's a pretty cool venture. And uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, I had uh, heard about this for a while back, at least a couple years ago. And it's one of those things you hear about it and you, you are like, I got to do this, I got to do this. But I was having a hard time like finding good information about how to get to this place. And anyways, uh, it's called the, the, the main attraction, the main thing you're going out there to see. It's called the Goat Canyon Railroad Trestle. Uh-huh. And that sounds like, yeah, you know, a railroad trestle. We've all seen railroad trestles. But this is the largest curved wooden railroad trestle in the world. So you're thinking, wow, this is right in my backyard. You're right in Southern California. i got to go check this out. Well, it's not just like right off the highway where you can just park and, oh, hey, there it is. It's um, you – first of all, you're driving. It's uh, – Northeast in the desert, northeast of San Diego. It's mm-hmm. about 120 miles from where I live to just drive to where you have to start hiking, and then you got to hike six miles deep into the desert. I mean, it's pretty harsh desert, and you just basically follow this abandoned railroad track that they it was built about a hundred years ago by a guy named Spreckles, who you may have heard of Spreckles Sugar. They used to be a big sugar company way back many years ago. I don't even know if they're still around, but I haven't heard of them actually. No. Yeah, but back in the day, there was a big sugar producer. I think most of the sugar they were producing was from sugar beets, so it's not the pure cane Hawaiian sugar like uh, CNH makes. Oh, okay. And he he had this idea that he wanted to build this railroad through the desert that came out of the San Diego area and then went northeast from there to connect up with some other track to ship, I don't know if it was his sugar or what other, some other goods, if he was going to lease it out to other people but that that was the plan and the construction was started in 1914 and finished about five years later but he spreckles never turned a profit on this railroad and over the years different people have come into ownership or leasing of the rights to it and it it ran for many decades but it hasn't run since i think about the 1980s and so it's this abandoned railroad and you hike I said about six miles to get to this trestle and you see this thing and it's just, it's visually stunning. You're sort of like having a hard time taking in what you're seeing, this just monstrous wooden structure. And it lo- it's that structure. We've all been to those old school wooden roller coasters. It's that kind of look. To yeah. It. But yeah. this has got a train track on top of it and you know it's actually built strong enough to hold trains. And uh, anyway, on the hike there, you go through... Uh, 10 different tunnels that were carved through the mountainside, one tunnel that's almost a half mile long. So it's a very surreal kind of thing. And you then you're crossing over several trestles to get there. So it's a pretty serious hike. And once you get to the main, the big trestle, the world's largest of its type, mm-hmm. you kind of are just having a hard time taking it in. It's so, to me, breathtaking. And then... Uh, we did a full-on backpacking trip where we hiked there and then camped and then hiked back out the next day. So we camped right near the trestle, 
And to, to get to where we were camping, we had to actually walk across this trestle. And if you have the slightest fear of heights, it can be a little unnerving. And I've got at least the slightest fear of heights. I do too, yeah. And it it was um it was definitely unsettling, Heather. I I really had to force myself to do it because there was a part of me that was just saying, Don't do this, don't walk across this thing. Because even though it it looks strong, it obviously was built strong enough to hold a train, at least a hundred years ago it was. And so you think, yeah, it's probably strong, but you're looking down there. There, it's not solid. There's the track, and then it's just like a grate, and you can see down the hundred feet to where you would fall if you slipped. Oh yeah. <laughs> so wow. And then it creaks and groans a little as you're walking across it, and um, just a little unnerving. But being that I did force myself to do it, and and it wasn't easy at all. I I really felt like turning back several times before I reached the halfway point. But I made it, and I, I was glad I did, and I kind of felt like I got to this place of like, oh, I sort of overcame that fear a little bit. Yeah, it's always a good feeling when you overcome something that you just don't feel like you can do, and then you feel like you just accomplished uh, a lot in what you did. It's always, I always enjoy that feeling myself. Yeah, and, and so I would recommend it to anyone that's got a sense of adventure and wants to see something that is really surreal and something you just don't see anything like in your normal life to go out there it's called the goat canyon railroad trestle it's also the canyon is also known as carrizo gorge and it's a, it's a fantastic place just yeah history and all of that yeah it sounds like something that i want to do and put on my list actually so uh thanks for sharing that Oh, you're quite welcome, Heather. And um, Robert Larson, he's our correspondent from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest, i.e. the Inland Empire. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show this week, Robert. All right. It's my pleasure. And, of course, you're listening to The Heather McCoy Show.